you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. podcast. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, formerly of Indians Baseball Insider, now fully of Locked On Indians. Uh, if you get a chance, you can go check out the Locked On MLB podcast today as well. I am going to be on that one talking about the name change, getting into a little bit more of the history, diving into some of the other names, and you know, talking about some of the things I talked about on the show yesterday, but more in-depth. Uh, in addition... I will have uh, Taylor Blake Ward on tomorrow's show. Finally going to give up who the guest is. And then I have uh, next week, we'll have a guest on the show who is a prospect and draft uh, favorite for Wednesday's show. One of the other people out there I have a lot of respect for through the years. And then uh, the week after that, kind of to end out the month, I'm going to have a Tigers beat writer on to beat, you know, blog beat writer, I should say. I don't want someone to think there's necessarily uh, a paper beat writer, but people who I really respect who cover the Tigers will be on the show to talk. So uh, that is what is coming up in terms of our guests over the next couple of weeks. In terms of what's happening, we got the official announcement. So this will be Locked on Indians for the next year. I can still say go tribe at the end of the show for the next year. Uh, they are not changing it right away, which was what we saw officially, or you know what we had kind of expected. They did talk about wanting to engage the fan base. I think that is, you know, up and down in terms of the idea. We do live in an internet age and a Twitter age. We're trying to engage online about names for a new team. It's going to be an extreme double-edged sword. You know, there's so many possible names out there. There's a lot of people to look at and consider in terms of what could work for names. You know, I was diving into the past and looking at things like the Foresters and the Forest City and the Bluebirds and the Broncos and the Lajaways and all of this other stuff. You know, I got to be honest, I think just time and time again, the Guardians grow on me. I think you could do some fun things with it. It does have the nice tie to the city itself with the statues there. Uh I don't know what you could get away with with Marvel as well and trying to have some fun with that one. But I think there's a lot of ways that that one could work out. I think that is my favorite right now. I don't know if that's the best on a hat, though. I guess that really becomes the problem. Is that really something you can do well on a hat? And, you know, something else, just to put a little final note I have to here on this is, I mean... The potential upside to this is it should mean a lot of new gear gets moved. Now that could be part of the reason. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. This team has been slowly looking to change this name for a while. But uh, a big bonus is whenever you like change a uniform, do a color change, a lot of gear gets moved. Imagine how much is going to get moved with an entirely new mascot. Uh, that should be a huge financial windfall for the Indians in more like 2021, likely not 2020. But that's going to be that's something that doesn't maybe get talked about right now as much. There are going to be people who are upset and are like, "I'm done with this," you know. I am an Indians fan, and that you know, to each their own. You know, my point of view is I'm kind of intrigued to see what they do, uh, but they're going to move a lot of gear end of story this is going to be they're going to sell more gear in 2021 than they probably sold in any year like the last five combined it's going to be a big financial windfall my final coda on my second final coda on this is 
I mean, my whole view at the end of the day is, yes, the Indians are a part of my childhood, a part of my life. That is a name that, you know, Major League will be a little bit weird after this. It's going to feel like it's about a, a fake organization and things like that. Well, it was about a fake organization, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> but my enjoyment, if it's causing other people pain, it's not really, you know, I've always been like, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. You know, as long as someone is not hurting anyone, it, what they're doing uh, is not harming others, then I don't, you know, let them do what that makes them happy. In this case, my enjoyment is causing pain to others, and that's part of the reason why I am okay with this change. Um, and maybe I'm being too politically correct or whatever, but I just, I think if it is hurting others, uh, and I know someone out there is like, well, this is hurting me change again. It's like, yes, but you are getting that now. They've had to experience it for 106 years. Maybe in 106 years, they can switch back and uh, go back to the Indians. And then that group can feel the, you know, we can do a cease. I'm being uh, a jerk. I know. But let's move on from this discussion of uniforms. I had a few questions today. Um, do you think with the Mets signing a catcher, it hurts the tri- tribe's chances in a Lindor trade? I don't think so. Um, that was from D.B. Sice. It wasn't really a question. Uh, he was more that he thinks that. I don't think so because the Indians catchers are more backup types right now. And, yeah, I mean, obviously now they don't need a backup, but they were going to need a starter over Thomas Nitto no matter what. He's a solid backup, but they need more of a starter type. I still think they make the most sense. More and more, I do not think that's going to be Dom Smith. You know, we have not talked about the New York Mets since we found out about the DH, and I do think that it is worth kind of flipping over and looking at that Mets depth chart, A, because I love it, and B, because now that there's no DH, it significantly changes things for the New York Mets. I'm going to apologize right now if you can hear my three-year-old yelling in the background. She's uh, she's a whole floor above me, but uh, good lungs on her, as you might be able to hear. So with the New York Mets, they no longer have that DH position open, which means... You know, they've got Pete Alonzo, J.D. Davis, and Dom Smith, who all are uh, first basemen. Right now, you assume Alonzo plays first. Dom Smith is probably in left field, which means J.D. Davis is maybe at third base. Now, again, if they trade for Lindor, then Davis shifts out of third base. You probably have Andres Jimenez moving over to third with Lindor at short. The other interesting thing is the Mets are probably going to sign a center fielder. Now, I don't know if they will sign George Springer. He has been the hot name for them. Now, remember, signing George Springer would require them to give up a draft pick. And I'm just kind of going to type in now uh, MLB draft. Well, you know what? I'm going to go to my own, which I haven't updated in a while, the way too early mock that I have there, just so I can see the draft order of when the Mets would pick. And see, they're at 10th, so their pick would be protected. So they would lose a second-round pick. Uh, and like some international money and maybe a fourth as well, depending on their spend. Well, no, I don't think it's based on last season. So I think if they would just lose that second round pick, being 10th overall means their pick is protected. So losing Springer costs them a second, where it, or signing Springer cost you a second, whereas that Jackie Bradley Jr. cost you uh, nothing. He was not given the qualifying offer, I do not believe. And, you know, when you look at those similar players in terms of talent level, Springer's better. Uh, Bradley's the better defender in center. You know, just to do a quick comparison head-to-head here. So Springer's defense in center has been a little bit up and down. He's about average-ish or a little bit below average. His runs created plus over his career is a 134. So he's awesome there. 
Jackie Bradley Jr. has been above average with some outstanding defensive seasons. The problem is offensively, his runs created plus throughout his career is a 93. So it's massively down. Now he had a 119 last year. That is after an 89-90-90, like consistently in the same range. Uh, Before that, he had a 118 and a 123. So I don't know if last year was really indicative of anything. Uh, Just looking through his numbers, you know, the walk and strikeout rate are in line with years past. Uh, I'd, I'd have to dig into his bat pip was uh, well above his career average at 3.43, so that also shows kind of uh, some luck and by some a ton of it. So, but again, he doesn't cost you anything in terms of loss. I don't think it's a big thing either way. I think Springer is probably. I mean, Springer's a better talent. <laughs> I, there's no here hawing. But either guy, I think one of those two is going to end up in New York. I'm just being honest. They want a real center fielder. Brandon Nimmo is a pretty terrible defender in center. So this raises another issue. So we've already said that, you know, right now you look at the Mets. McCann at first, or catcher. First base is Pete Alonso. Second base is Jeff McNeil. Shortstop is Andres Jimenez. Third baseman's J.D. Davis. Sign a center fielder, you know, whichever one you put. Then you got Michael Conforto in right. Dom Smith and left. Where does Brandon Nimmo play? Okay, so you can already see one point. They now have too many hitters. Uh, so I just keep coming back to this because because you know they have already they have enough bats and they're they don't have a true center fielder. They're probably going to add one. And I just you know Ahmad Rosario sitting there on the bench. And I was looking at Baseball Savant. And by the way, that is a fun place to go look at JD Davis numbers. Uh, he is all red and everything and really has been for the past not just last year not just the shortened year but go back and look at his 2019 performance as well and when you're looking at his it's just he is all bat but you have him through 2024 I want to say there's a lot of years of control he's really an ideal fit for the Indians so yeah exit velocity hard hit walk percentage expected slugging expected batting average like expected batting average is at 60 percent uh expected slugging 53 so it's like light red his sprint speed was even a 59 i don't know uh how that got to be there but you know that's again small sample sizes because you go to 2019 and drops to 37 defense is terrible but i mean you go back to that year expected batting average 99 exit velocity 90 hard hit 90 slugging 92 barrel 84 and if you want to know 20s, it's it's all still light red to dark red. But at this point, that's two years of great data. That's two years of showing this guy's an impact bat. And he's under team control until 2024, I believe I said before. I mean, no matter how you want to look at it, slice it, cut it. Uh, terrible defender, but you could just put him at first base. They haven't tried him there yet. I think he could handle first. I mean, he was viewed as a first baseman, third baseman, all the way back to his Fullerton days. DH, who knows? But either way, he instantly becomes... I mean, if the Indians were to acquire him in such a deal, and I know people are getting tired of me talking about the Mets, he's your four hitter. Like, you just plug and play him at four. That's where he goes. Uh, his, he is under team control through 2024 as well. Uh, Ahmad Rosario, who's currently a backup infielder who I mentioned. How about in 2019 when he had a... Expected batting average, 91st percentile. Expected K percentage, 67th. Hard hit, 51. Exit, 54. Those are pretty good numbers. Uh, Sprint speed, 94. That's above average, 4. And, you know, he was kind of moving all about. He's always viewed as a solid defender. So who knows about that, though? In 2020, 
the exit velocity, the batting average, he moved into more of a backup role, got less at-bats. The bat did not look as good. Outs above average did jump, but again, very limited sample for him. All about him as well. Uh, the Indians not having a clear you know, heir apparent at short who's ready to go. He is the perfect guy to run out there and try and see what he can do. Oh, yeah, and he is also under team control until 2024. And then we have to talk about the other guy who's left, and especially why I want to talk about this as we're seeing players sign, we're hearing rumors. If they sign Springer at center field, Brandon Nimmo no longer has a home. Like, that's just the truth of the matter. Uh, It's either Nimmo or Dom Smith, and I think they'd be more likely to move Nimmo because Dom Smith has team control until 2024, and Nimmo's team control is two years. You know, he is, let's see, Brandon Nimmo is slated to make five, or no, that's uh, $4.1 million, and then next year it'd be ARB3. So you're looking at J.D. Davis is about $2.3 million. He's even cheaper. But you're still looking at about, you know, six and a half there amongst those two guys. Uh, Rosario is 2.2. So you're looking at uh, 8.6. So, I mean, that does uh, limit how much the Indians can save. But I don't think if you're the Indians, you're legitimately thinking you are going to get all of Lindor's money off the books. And the thing is with Rosario, if he's terrible next year, you know, uh, I'm sorry, he's only through 2023, you let him go. You don't keep him. You can move on from that contract. But you give him an opportunity. It gives you an up-the-middle player who's ready to go. And, you know, Nimmo, 27 years old, you put him in that outfield, yeah, he's a two-year guy. Maybe at the end of next year you you experiment into flipping him. But even if you keep him, let's just talk about Nimmo. Um, K percentage, 67th. Walk percentage, 90th. Whiff, 73. Expected weighted on base, 79th. And that's just this past year. 2019, we have limited data. You go back to 2018, hard hit 74, exit velocity 69. Uh, outs above average was 89. Did not do as well as a center fielder. And just think about it. If you are the Indians and you can put Nimmo on one in right, Fran Millen left. He's trying to get in shape. He wants to play. He doesn't like being a DH. You have Daniel Johnson in center. J.D. Davis is DH for space. Uh, you know, if you could even do something where it's like when Luplo play, you know, maybe a Luplo Bauer platoon or something like that. Bauer's platoon, so, you know, just to see if he's got anything left. But it it makes this lineup potentially better than just Lindor, right? Because you're getting you're doing one downgrade for two upgrades, and no matter how good one player is, that's one spot in the lineup. If you're getting two massive upgrades to two other spots, that just it completely changes your lineup. Uh, so it's one down for two up. I think it makes them a better team. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I do think, you know, I still think the Mets make a lot of sense. And I just want to talk about that. The other guy just to keep an eye on, uh, Ali Sanchez is a kind of a fourth piece down the line. He's a little bit blocked. He'd be the third catcher for either organization. Fits the Indians profile to a T, uh, very cheap. And if the Indians do move on from a hedges or, uh, trade him away to save a few dollars here or there. Sanchez is that defensive first profile that fits theirs. There's some thought there could be more. And, you know, I won't sit there and run the numbers, but that's just something I wanted to comment on uh, because I had that question about the Mets, which gave me an opportunity to talk about the Mets. And I'm sure you are all sick and tired of hearing me talk about these gold darn Mets. Uh, let's talk about the news of the day. Hunter Renfro signs. Three point one with a six six hundred thousand dollar option. You know, I've heard me bang my head on the mic there, but I mean, 
Why not? Why are the Indians not signing anyone? Three million for Dave Dahl, three point six for um for Renfro. I'm trying to pull up the exact specifics right now, but <laughs> I know Renfro had a bad year, but the entire Indians. I mean, the Indians had a historically bad outfield. Three point one with six hundred k in incentives. You know he. It, now I'm trying to think if he's from. No, he's from Mississippi. So yeah, no no connection. Went to Mississippi State because uh, he had some quote about you know playing in front of the the, uh, the Green Monster, and I was like, oh maybe he has some. no no. And it's three point one million. Uh, that makes me feel like goodbye Cesar Hernandez. I mean, think about a year ago they pulled out what somewhere between sixty million to sign Cesar Hernandez. And yes, they waited late to sign him. You could have gotten Hunter Renfro and David Dahl for that cost. Both of them for the cost of one Cesar Hernandez. Um, that's And it's $3 million for those. I, I mean, I would have given them both the 6.1 and been happy, and you could have just gone from there with whatever they do with Lindor. I mean, can you imagine if the Indians— Okay, so you put Dahl in center. You put Renfro in— uh, He's got a pretty strong arm. He's a former catcher. You'd put him in right. You could have your left field platoon— with Daniel Johnson and uh, Luplo, your DH is Fran Mo Reyes. Yeah, they still need to get a first baseman. It's probably looking like Bowers, you know, at that point in time. And then who knows about second? Who knows, you know, uh, about short? But then imagine if they made <laughs> that deal with the Mets. Uh, so you'd have J.D. Davis at first base. Your outfield would then have been uh, Dahl, Nimmo, and Renfro. Your DH is... Um, is Fran Mo Reyes. Jordan Luplo no longer has an everyday gig. He's more of a fourth outfielder who's playing against lefties and giving someone else a day off. Maybe you uh, platoon... No, you wouldn't because Renfro's a righty. Uh, Renfro's a, a, a lefty platoon bat uh, himself. Uh, you would want to have him hit lefties, not righties. But there's a way to have made this work. 6.1 million? Really? And, like, I don't care. Like, again, David Dahl's from Alabama. He's not from Texas. And Texas is going to be terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. You can't tell me that $3 million to a team like the Indians that has a shot to contend wouldn't have been more interesting. Seeing these deals is just, like, hurting my heart on a very basic level. It's They have a crying need. Though they don't seem to think they have a need in the outfield, let's be honest. And, you know, yeah, signing Renfro probably wouldn't have been ideal because he is kind of a plus Luplo. Uh, but he's still a good player. You know, it still would have been something that overall upgrades the Indians, and that's why it is so frustrating to see. But I, I honestly think that they do not think that they need to upgrade that outfield. They think that Mercado or Johnson, one of them is going to step up in center. They've still got Luplo. That's part of a platoon, and, you know, they'll figure out a way to make that work. If nothing else, maybe they look to bring back somebody like Nick went on the cheap because I don't see him getting much in free agency, let's be honest. Uh, or they figure something out with Bowers, who's a lefty, and do that platoon. And they think maybe Fran Mill can be a, either a DH or that other outfield spot. And then, you know, Nolan Jones is eventually going to fill the other one. Like, that is totally a thing. Eventually, it's going to be Nolan Jones. Of course, we're going to have to wait till like June, July to see Nolan Jones, likely July because of messing with, um, you know, the arbitration clock, which again, for this organization, which has no money, it makes sense. But at the same time, I mean, 
this is the same BS we heard last year, for just being honest. It's like, Jordan Luplow hasn't got a chance to hit righties. Let's let him hit righties. And you know what? It caused him to hit worse against lefties because he just, he was pressing so badly, and it's just not what he does well. Daniel Johnson, we're going to give, he didn't get an opportunity last year because we were too busy running out the poo-poo platter of Delano DeShields and friends. These guys who were, you know, and I defended DeShields at points because sadly he was the best hitter amongst that outfield group. But they just kept not giving opportunities. It's like, if they were that bad, let's see what Daniel Johnson can do instead of we're going into next year and let's see what Daniel Johnson can do. We're going into next year. And I know in all of those things, I just realized I was, I was talking about team depth. I didn't mention Josh Naylor once. Yes, go ahead and uh, say things. I, I realized I left him off. Uh, talk about a nice, easy platoon situation with Naylor and Luplo, if we're being honest. But at the same time, like, again, this is a team that just keeps trotting out mediocre talent.